You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. What is up, punters and dribblers? Welcome back to another episode of All Talk with Tom and Eddie from the Hello Sport Podcast. Back for another episode of our summer sessions. Now, that's not what it's called. I just came up with that. Did you like it, Eddie? I liked it, Tom. Summer sessions. No, it rolls off the tongue very nicely. All Talk Hello Sports summer sessions. Love it. Today, we're speaking with one of the greats of the game, but also... Uh, a One great of the great characters. Characters, thank you. A larrikin, uh, a cult figure. An everyman. An everyman. Um, One of the great fast bowlers we've ever produced, Tom. Look, I think it's probably, I don't have stats in front of me, but I, I, look, that's a vibe-based thing. That's a vibe-based thing, but I'm going to say yes. I'm able to go with it. I'm going to say maybe, you know, our greatest ever. Fuck it. Fuck it. Beep it that. is. Is what Beep it is. It. Greatest, greatest of all time. The greatest to ever do it. The great Mervyn Hughes. Take it away. Do you remember working with us in the last two years at all? Quick question. Yeah. yeah there at um, Pitwater, wasn't it? Ah, okay. There, there you go. go. There you go. Yep. Good. Just wanted to check. Wanted to test you early, see whether you, uh, you remember it's that famous TVC that we filmed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. How'd that come up? I don't think I ever saw it. Mate, it was actually... Look, I actually think it turned out pretty good. It was hilarious. We pro- well, we produced the whole thing, and it was it was our first ever and only TV commercial yeah. to date. So maybe that says something about it as well. Yeah. Anyway, mate, you look like you're. Uh, is it you in a man cave there? Oh, pretty much. This is this is my storeroom. My my boy said you should do this outside because um, you look like a hoarder. <laughs> no. How many eskies can I see in the shop, mate? You've got about 10 eskies over there. <laughs> uh, so there's, there's a Carlton Draft one, there's a Forex one, there's a Yeti, there's a Dunn, there's three more there. It's all full fishing gear. Yeah, you're a, you, you're, you've got your fishing show, obviously, but you're just a mad keen outdoorsman, aren't you? Uh, more fisherman than outdoorsman. Okay, so it's more just your fishing. Yeah, so we go camping, caravanning next to the water so you can go fishing. Yeah. And and how often are you how often are you doing it like with the show but just fishing generally? I'm not often enough, unfortunately. No. When no. was the last time you're out there? Um, I was, I was supposed to be up at um, Mudgee's at Lake Windermere a couple of weeks ago, mm. and then up to Glenbourne, so chasing Yellow Valley, then Paz, um, another sort of week after oh, a couple weekend, but dislocated my shoulder Melbourne a couple weekend and couldn't go. How'd you do that? Oh, there, don't, don't laugh. I went ass up at a wedding. <laughs> oh, did you? Before I had a drink. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you slipped over. Exactly. Are you then, is it like, oh, no, all eyes on Mervy, like you're in fucking heaps of pain, forgive my language, I'm, we, we're told not to swear. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair assessment. Just at, at a wedding, sort of trying to bustle uh, a group across, and I'm trying to walk behind a tree. A bit of a steep drop off with my leather shoes, that leather sole shoes on. Yep. Both feet went behind me. Oh. I put my arm up or hand up on the tree so I wouldn't hit the tree and pop my shoulder. Oh, oh no. Geez. And the worst thing about it, three hours in the hospital when my good mate was shouting beers. Oh, oh. devastating. Oh, oh my, my God. God. So you missed three hours of the wedding? I uh, missed three hours. So I went to the hospital, got to put it back, back in place and got back as right they're good hours those golden hours the the, yes. the three that you've yeah, they're the best ones. But yeah, i'm sure you're i'm sure you're well aware of that i'm yeah, no, the best three hours of my life at Duke hospital <laughs> I'm, but they were very I'm good sure went back, 
I would have thought that a dislocated shoulder, you might have just been like, you know what? Just pop it back in. Well, or, well, either, either or pop it back in and keep going or just say, you know what? Too much has happened today. I don't think I need to go back to the wedding. I might just go and park up in bed. Yeah, no, I, I thought about that, but um, yeah, no, good, great, great mate, son, and uh, two boys have got sons, so I thought that would make an effort. You better do it. Good for you. I, I don't know if I'd have that in me. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Mate, painful. It's the most painful thing I've ever been through. And listen, I don't want to compare myself to the great man here, but I've had some shoulder issues myself over the last couple of weeks. Not dislocated. In fact, the physios have no idea what I could have done wrong because I haven't. I'm not physical enough to have like even dislocated it on a tree. But it's. I can say this: it's a frustrating injury to have. Again, not dislocated, but not dislocated, but you know, shoulder issues, Tom. And now you got something in, in, in common, common with the great man, yeah. so which is nice. Good left, left or right shoulder, Tom? My right shoulder. Yes, yeah, so I'm left. Yeah. Oh, look. So if we combine, we'll have two good shoulders. Maybe I'll just donate my good one to you because I feel like you'd put it to better use getting out there and fishing. You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> yeah. know if I need my shoulder. I'm gonna struggle holding the right end morning. Same time, but there we go. How long? But yeah, I got uh, away this weekend at my So cod opening. Yeah. So if you're a fisherman, um, cod opening weekend. It's a massive weekend in in New South Wales, Victoria. Okay. So I've been like my whaler, you know, along with my whaler, and have a, have a weekend trying to catch a cod. All right. Well, all the best uh, and good luck, mate. Are you? How long does it take for you to film a season of your fishing show? Um. Good question. If, if the fish are biting, yeah, probably about fifteen days. Okay, but if the fish aren't biting, about six months. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Is that is that frustrating when you're like, where are they, oh. bastards? So we, we, we had a whaler, so we we filmed up there, and people see the show and get half an hour on the show, yeah, maybe ten fish. Yep. Oh, you had a good day that day. No, it was like, Good five or six days. Are they making you wear the same thing every day if it's like taking multiple days so that it's seen oh, yeah. as quick? Uh, uh, so we got uh, five, five of the same outfits. Just keep whacking them on. Uh. Oh, what a great day we're having today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. The magic of TV, right? The magic of TV. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's been a pretty... It's been a pretty great year for cricket in Australia for our for our sides. How have you um how have you seen it all from obviously the the Test Championship to the Ashes to this most recent World Cup? Uh, it's, it's been sensational, hasn't it? Um, it, it's been a lot of questions asked of the Australian side, and there's been a lot of questioning of Cummins' captaincy. Mm. Um, when when we won the Test World Championship, fantastic. First two test matches of the Ashes, fantastic. And the thing that the Ashes told me or taught me was how important Nathan Lyon is to that Australian top. So mm. when Nathan Lyon got injured, it wasn't such a decline, it was just a free ball. Mm. Um, and, and things went downhill after that. But uh, for the India before that, to draw that series to all, um, people tend to forget that. And then Couple of one days, they're trying to get their, their side right for the World Cup. Mm. They go over the World Cup, lose the first two games against India, the home nation. They're, they're going to be hard to beat. Mm. And South Africa, 
were up and down. And Australia didn't have their best bank. And then as they built through, we had injury problems to Maxwell and we had Marsh um, come home for personal reasons. Um, just at the right time, we got our best team together and, and played accordingly. You mentioned um, Pat Cummins obviously had one of the great years as captain. When he was floated originally as, as taking over the reins, there was a... There was a some doubt out there as to whether or not a fast bowler could, could get the job done. As an ex-fast bowler, did you ever have any doubts about one of your own being able to lead the nation? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the big thing about captaincy is that you've got to remain rational, not understand uh, the situation. But as a fast bowler, I reckon you've got to be emotional. Mm. So you, you've got to get angry, you've got to get into the game. Um, but for what's the way that Cummins has handled it, he's been fantastic. And it's interesting that people want to judge him on his worst performance. I like to judge people on their best performance. Mm. And his best performances have been outstanding. Mm. But when, when it was a, um, initially, the, the only concern I had was how he'd be stay rational. And he's got some really good guys around him, so Steve Smith, Warner, Alex Carey. Mm. But he's handled it well. I suppose, to be honest, I don't know whether he's going, um, but he's just been really down to earth and a really sensible bloke, which doesn't really fit well with fast bowlers. No, it doesn't. We, we don't know, Pat, but we did once um, find ourselves talking to his old man at the cricket after we'd had a skinful, and he seemed like a really nice guy, so I can only... Listen, Imagine that's where Pat gets it from. Yeah, I would think so. His old man was great. And I just, yeah. I've got a feeling the apple hasn't fallen far yeah. from the tree. He was accommodating for a couple of dribblers like us. For for, for, for almost far too long. Yeah. I mean, it was 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, would that be yeah. a fair representation? Sorry, Mr. Cummins, if you're listening. Uh, um, well, mate, the big thing is, if you're pumping his cut up, he's going to listen to it. Yeah. And if you're bagging his son, I reckon he's going to piss you off pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a fair point. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I don't know the family at all, but um, you could only imagine that he would come from a, a very solid family. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone says that, but it was interesting. Dennis Pagg and the former Kangaroos, North Island Kangaroos coach, always talked about when they were recruiting a young fella, what they wanted to do was meet the parents, meet the mum, mm-hmm. because they reckon he had a good, solid mum, he's going to be a good, solid kid. Interesting. I guess that makes sense as well in a lot of... No, good parenting. Yeah. Punters and dribblers, we are brought to you by Neds, the best betting platform in town. Um, Tell you what, if you've been following along on my profile, because obviously I've been overseas, so I've just been whacking up my bets for about even on the Neds profiles app, you'd see some... I I seem to bet better when I'm not around people and I'm just able to eyeball the talent on game day, see what's happening. It's when I'm able to be as as gifted as I think I am. So basically what you're saying is it's a lot harder to bet almost a week in advance. That is what I'm saying, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for example... You could say it's also 24 hours before a game though, right? No, because if you're putting your bets in on Wednesday morning and there's a game Sunday night... There's also a game on Thursday. Yeah, but that, I'm not talking about that one. Right. I'm talking about the other games where maybe, you know, Nathan Cleary doesn't play yeah. or Hines doesn't play. Yeah. Well, Nathan Cleary did play, but Hines doesn't play. You'd, yeah. You get caught out. You do get caught out. 
you know? You, you do. You get caught if out. If you're following on my prof is what I'm saying is daddy, they are calling me daddy value. And I didn't come up with that either. It's embarrassing. How many bets you get on the weekend? Two. I got three. <laughs> well, but you're not a dad, so they can't call you daddy value. Dad of a dog. Well, you, they could call you doggy style value. Doggy value. I don't know. It doesn't really have the same ring to Why? it as daddy value. You've been pettist. Well, it's not pettist. You aren't a father. I'm father of a dog. No, you're not a and father tonka. of a dog. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Shout out to Neds. We love you. Shout out to Neds. Uh, you can follow our profiles on Neds. You can also join the About Even group um, where, the you know, everyone's sharing their bets in there and shit. I actually followed one of Gurus yesterday, uh, which was a Joey Manu away. Yeah, it didn't get up. No, it didn't. He was very lucky that his unit scooper got up. See, I've got a bone of contention next. If that was me, there's no way I'm getting given those nine units. No, but he's, no, but he's got it on, and the bet stands. Yes. So it's live. The bet's right. live. Well, I'm just saying, I don't know that I would be afforded. This is what Tobler and I were discussing anyway in the green room. I know this is still a live read, but this is a bone of contention. I don't think that I would be afforded the same graces where apparently I'm not getting So fucking, you think the bet's void altogether? Well, I'm saying you have been robbing me of units even though all my bets were going up last week. Well, no, you, we robbed you of two bets. Two. Right. You didn't put one up for the Titans game or whatever it was, and you didn't do a unit scooper. That was all you robbed But I for. did the bets. I no, just you didn't. didn't. You didn't put them up. They went on your profile. They, they weren't went on there. my profile? No. Well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll show you. There was one game where there was no profile bet. There wasn't. I went through it last week. You didn't do, you didn't do two bets, and you lost fucking well, two Tobler units, told and that's me, it. Tobler told me I, none of my, all my bets are void because they're not online. One of them. Okay, so Tobler doesn't even listen. You're right. So that's the problem. That's the problem. We've, we've now uncovered... That you didn't do a unit scooper last week. That was void, so you lost a unit. Yep. And then there was one other bet out of eight. Okay, well, so Tobler's lying. Then. Yes. Tobler's lying to you and I. Correct. Well, he's lying on your behalf. Shocking. Thanks, Neds. Cheers, Neds. Fuck you, Tobler. Now, you win some, you lose more. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Punters and dribblers, it's the most generous podcasters of all here, Tom and Eddie. Here to look after the punter and the dribbler, dribbler and their drinking needs. Mm. It's still rosé drinking season. We know that. It's worth having a couple of bottles laying around. Yeah, I don't expect you to drink it in the driving rain, but I just went outside and the sun's out, baby. Oh, really? Sun's out, bum's out again, and it's fucking hot out there. I'll be losing the jacket, Tom. Mm. I can promise you that. So you need a couple of cases laying around your digs. You just do. Well, it's certainly when you've got guests, you're entertaining. Hey, come round. A couple of Sheila's come round. You want to be able to crack a bottle yeah. and impress? Yeah. Of course you do. Now, you're going to get 50 bucks off each case if you use the code MANLY. That's a gift from Tom and I at hellosport.shop. Six bottles. You're getting $50 off hellosport.shop. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Be prepared. Yeah. And if you're not prepared, you're prepared to fail. It's not the saying, but it's all right. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Got it. Hello, sport does shop. You're a you're a, are you a massive North Melbourne fan? Is that no? I'm a Bulldogs fan. Western oh, Bulldogs, Western mate. Bulldogs. Sorry, Western that's Bulldogs, right. Canterbury Bulldogs. Is oh, Steve Waterman yeah. still playing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's still running around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, were, were he's you his 50th season? Yeah. Were you a frustrated <laughs> AFL? Like, did you ever want to be an AFL player? Was that sort of similar? I know Warney was always like wanted to play for St Kilda. Or was cricket yeah, always we, your thing? Yeah, in Victoria, I think we. A lot, of, a lot of guys have got a choice, and we lose either seven or eight of our best 10 cricketers of Aussie rules football every season. I dare say in New South Wales will be the same with with sort of rugby, with basketball, with other sports. Mm. But Victoria, so I answer your question. I played AFL footy, 
Paul Verfall can be back in white though. That's how I am. Yeah. Um, full and, forward. And uh, I'll pull back halfback. Um, I'm just saying positions both. move. I don't know my AFL all that well. Uh, no, well, I couldn't. If you can't kick straight, you're in the back line. Yeah, right. Okay. So I was in the back line. <laughs> um, but I just thought as a 17, 18 year old, I was, I was, that was going to be my go. And then got invited down to train at Toulon. So it's not the draft as it is today. It was mm-hmm. zoning. So where you live, tied the two up. So living in Western Suburbs, tied to Geelong, got down there to Geelong. Uh, lasted three nights. I pissed off. <laughs> didn't like it. Oh, they didn't like me. I loved it. <laughs> so you had three days. I'd seen enough. This bloke no, no, can't three kill. nights. Three nights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, actually, I've actually got a uh, listen, son. Um, go and have a shower, pack your bags, piss off, don't come back, do shit else. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> right, uh, if you say so. It's so. pretty harsh. And then, like I said, 17, 18 years old, you've got a choice to make, haven't you? Mm. <laughs> you can go out and find a job yeah. or you can play cricket. And so like a good option. was cricket a realistic sort of career choice for you at that point or after you got pissed off for th- after three days by Geelong, you sort of just <laughs> go, well, that's all i got left. Uh, it's, yeah. it's interesting how decisions are made for you. Um, so football and cricket, not by decision. I went down to Footscray uh, um, as a... Top order batsman, part time bowler. Mm. And I got down there, Ron Gaunt was the former Australian player. He was a bowler, he was a bowling coach at Footscray. What do you do? Oh, I bat and I bowl a bit. I ring I bowl about three balls. Right, mate, you don't bat anymore, you're a bowler. I'm thinking, how easy is life? You don't even have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how, like, when did it all start to happen for you then in cricket? Like, how long after you dedicated all your attention to, to bowling fast did it all start to, to take shape? Well, it was, it was always there in the background, but I think football was my number one until 18, 17, 18. Mm. Um, and then when the football became not an option, I moved from Burrabee, which is sub district, or suburban cricket into Butchgrave, which is a higher level. Mm. Just better coaching, training with better players, so you progress a little bit quicker. Um, and got down there and things happened. So I started taking wickets, third 11, second 11, in the first 11. Uh, played in the premiership first year in the second, premiership first year in the senior. And then the next year I was in the, in the state side. But the big thing you find out and getting back to football was that you find out 20, 30 years later that because you're showing interest in football, they picked you before you were ready to beat you at cricket. So there was like um, Tony Donovan, Tom O'Donnell, Shane Walker, um, Damien Fleming. There's a lot of guys that got picked early to pique their interest in cricket and, and keep us playing cricket rather than going football. Okay, right. That's interesting. Keep you in the yeah. Keep, keep you in the, the game. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. It does make sense. Um, and then, so when do you? How old are you when you debut for Australia? Oh, twenty twenty-five. Okay, it's funny. Like 25. that's that almost, in some weird way, seems old for these days. Oh, but was old. <laughs> um, was so it I, old for those? Was it old for your day? Um, yeah, pretty much. Because if you're not playing. State cricket by the time you're 2021, 20, um, and, and making an impact. But the other thing 
guys guys can debut early and then not get an opportunity. So someone like Aaron Lehman is a perfect example because there's, there's got to be room for you in the side. Mm. So I, I got in the Victorian side, had a lot of back trouble, a lot of back injuries. So before my first four years, I played half seasons with back injuries and then decided to give Aussie rules football away yep. and rest my body during the winter to get myself fit for cricket. And then it's it's interesting, like, like did you have this uh, beautiful moustache, like, from the jump? Like, was it just always a th- your has – has the mo always oh, been your thing? Like, or... I wasn't born with it. You weren't born with it? I wouldn't <laughs> be shocked uh, if you were. If, yeah, if you, said you, if you said you were, I'd believe it. <laughs> um, you know, there was a, the trip I did around Australia to get into football in 1985. So I had a couple of well, pretty ordinary attempts. Uh, leading up to that, huh. um, 1985, so I wouldn't get caught up in playing football. Um, went on a trip around Australia, so I went up the east coast and gone for four and a half months. All I did was sort of train and get myself fit. Mm. Um, wasn't working that much, so no razor blades. You couldn't afford a hairdresser, so a mop of hair and a full beard. And got home and thought I'll get rid of this. So I went and saw the hairdresser as you do. And sort of cut the hair and shaved down around the mustache and left the mustache. He said, "Oh, that looks good." And I said, "I'll just leave that for a couple of days." And I was, I was just going to leave it for maybe a week for a bit of a shitstorm. And then you know how things start to happen. Yeah. You know how sportsmen they say they're very superstitious. Mm. Yeah, that's not true. I just kept this because things were going well. <laughs> well, I couldn't see the reason to shave it off. And what you have it, you've had it ever since that point. Yeah, 1985. There you go. That's crazy. Never, It's never yeah. come off for it's coming, up, it's coming up 40 years. 40 years. Yeah. It's impressive. Never, you've never knocked it off, though? No one's ever, like, paid you a shitload of money to charity or something for you to shave it off? or. Oh, I'm a firm believer charity starts at home. Um, <laughs> so I've been off. And so November comes up. And, uh, gee, the first five, five years of November, I reckon I got asked every year. Yeah. And he's, Oh, mate, men's health is four months of the year, not just the months. So I, I leave my moustache on to remind me of that. But in 1989, I got offered by Gillette over in England. So the Ashes series had just finished. Uh, got offered by Gillette to shave it off. For what nice days was pretty good money. It was, in fact, it was better than my tour fee. <laughs> and I was, I was thinking about it, but I had other mates wedding. When I got home, I was best man of the way spending the wedding, and I'm thinking, I don't want to be there as a stranger. Yeah. I want to be there as me, not as someone that just pocketed a heap of cash. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, I get that. How did, uh, what sort of impact do you reckon it had on your intimidation? Like, how, how many how many percentages did your intimidation go up, do you think? With that uh, 100%? What? 200%? Oh, five, 500. Five. Well, all you got to do is just find the clock back, not so far, to Mitch Johnson. Yes. Like, he was pretty good and, and pretty intimidating without his moustache. And then he grew a moustache. Just turned into mean and nasty, yeah. didn't he? It was another level. It was one of the great yeah. Ashes performances of all time. Oh, one of the great, great series. And then Travis Head just recently. Yes. Lost, lost a contract. Australian Cricket contract. Um, or Cricket Australia contract, whatever they call it. He grows a moustache. Uh, he's the best player in the world. <laughs> you make him. So you his, make life, him. his life is giving you lemons. Grow a moustache. Grow a moustache. Grow a moustache. Oh. But also, like, the, the nation 
really gets behind a moustache generally as well. Like, obviously, you got to be playing well. But if you're playing well and you have a moustache, like, you also seem to get away with more. Like, Travis Head's gone on one of the great rips, you know, these last couple of days after his, uh, his uh, World Cup heroics. And everyone's just, like, you know, applauding him and loving him. If he didn't have a moustache, there's, there's every chance people would be like, he's a role model, he shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Well, if you've got a moustache, I reckon people don't take it too seriously. Yeah. They just say, oh, head in a yellow. But if you're clean shave and everyone just expects too much from it. Yeah. Did you so find... expectation leads to disappointment. So. Did you find... Um, well, I guess, like, you were kind of... Like, you've always been a... Uh, you're a cult figure in Australian sport. Was that an immediate... Uh, thing that happened once you got into sort of the Australian setup, is that something that I guess like you know it's is it tied to performance as well? Well, I think I think being a Victoria playing at the MCG in front of that A13 certainly helped, mm. um, and and certainly when I played, the media people break plays, and the media were very kind to me, mm. um, so I, I don't think they were very kind to my cricketing ability, but just. Um, you know, just a yellow, just a good bloke, just, just this and that. And really, I didn't get credibility in the Australian sort of until probably, so 89, Jeff Lawson and Terry Alderman as well. Mm. Probably, probably until 91. So I'd, I'd played five years. So I said, oh, he's actually played five years at Test Cree. He's actually taken a few wickets. Huh. So it sort of all got lost in, uh, I suppose, the persona of, as being a good sport and a good character. Mm. You've um you've got a bit of a reputation for being a pretty decent sledger. Have you <clears throat> was part of that to just entertain yourself and have a bit of a giggle, or was it always quite calculated to try and get under the opponent's skin? Um I think initially it's to get me going. Yeah. So in a flat spot of the game, I just started just tried to have to convince myself that I hated the batsman. Mm. So if I'm bowling against you and there's nothing on the game, you, you go through the motions, um, and then if something's going to happen, if, if I hate you, then it makes it easier for me. So <laughs> I, I hated to get to know the opposition. Mm. You meet them and they're good blokes. <laughs> and probably the greatest example was Dewey Law from mm. Queensland. Didn't know him, didn't like him. Every time we played Queensland, tried to hit him in the head. Um, never made a run against Victoria. We go across to the Hong Kong Sixers one year, uh, get to know him, have a couple of beers with him, great bloke. Next five years against Victoria, he made hundreds every game. <laughs> and you just think, I liked it better when I didn't like him. <laughs> That's it, it's you got to um, The big thing about Sleazy, especially at, at state level and more so international level, you have your targets. Mm. So you have... You, you go out players and you no go out players. So when you see four or five Australians going Burnley and like that, that's a team player. Right. So they're all they're trying to do is upset him and unsettle him. Um, if you sledge through frustration, you've lost the battle. So you sledge for a reason. There's also people that like, and I'm putting ourselves in this context, but there's like people who you sledge and it actually almost makes them play better, like Sebo in golf. When you, if you don't sledge him and he's playing bad, it's like it's self fulfilling. He just keeps getting worse and worse. But as soon as you then start to talk shit to him, being like acknowledging how bad he plays, then he just switches on and you, it's all over. That's correct. You got to be calculated. Yeah, well, that's, that's what the Australian team do. And 
like I said, you have your, your go out players and your no go players. And people say that oh, you, you're, you're pretty weak if you go at the young blokes. Well, you go at the young blokes for the sledging's bluffing bullshit. Mm. If they're worried about what you're saying, you've had a win. Mm. Yeah. But when, when you played against England, had Gadding, Pitch, and Gower, experienced players, you know, well, they've played better against better cricket than you'll ever dream to be. I mean, what you say is not going to upset them. Jarvan Man, that was another one from Pakistan. And probably probably the greatest one, Mark Raypatch of New Zealand, is that if he just went in bowl, he's, and he used to get his chest out as a batsman and go at, go at the bowlers just to get a bite. And when he got a bite, you could see him just, just grow in stature. And it was very hard not to go back at him. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> how many, how many bunnies did you have throughout your career? Oh, my, my bunny was Richie Richardson. Yeah, uh, West Indies. Uh, I got him out more times in Test cricket than any other player I got out. Yeah, now, a combination. We did play West Indies a lot, and when you talk about bunnies, um, I got him out nine times through my career. Um, hundred ninety nine. 99999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
I think he retired. And I'm batting number 11. Yep. Jeff Lawson's been hit. We go out the ground. Gordon Granite's first ball, first over set balls. So three wickets and three balls. And that is... Nine. That has got to be the weirdest way possible to get a hat trick. It has to be, right? Were you aware that you were on one even? Like, was uh, it... No, no one knew. I stayed war at the end of my first day. Right? I said, I'm pretty sure. I said, what makes you so sure? Oh, we just heard it on the PA system. Who <laughs> 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 the players had any idea either? That's funny, trying to work that out in the moment. Oh, yeah. Well, so not... It's a little bit of an underwhelming one then in that respect, because you didn't get to be, you didn't get the sort of the build up. Oh no, you watch, you watch the replay. Jeff Lawson has been hit. We've got 20 minutes to bowl. We're maybe 50, 60 runs behind. So in our minds, we think we're still a chance. Right. So we go out, get Gordon Granny's first ball. You think happy days. Um, we end up losing that game by about 60 runs. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the whole thing, do, do yourselves a favour. We want to see the biggest send-off in international cricket. Google Gordon Granny's dismissal. Um, back of ground, uh, 89. Absolutely gave it. Oh, yeah, I'll look at the That's not good. And then Gordon Granny's one of those folks. He didn't have really to do with it, but I just thought that uh, not a good play. Mm. And him and Desi were in the same boat. Right? And at the end of the 91 series, which was pretty heated series, we had a charity game in England, and Gordon Granny said to Haynes, uh, playing that, and I'm just thinking, this is going to be ugly. Mm. Walked in the, the room, they both retired at that stage, greatest blokes of all time. So again, you meet the people you hate, and they disappoint you. Mm. They're good people. I know. It almost, almost gives you reason not to meet anyone until you've retired, just to yeah. keep that fire burning deep in your belly. Oh, yeah. With, I reckon my, my biggest criticism of the game today is that everyone knows everyone really well. Yeah. So, um, the, the young opening batsman from, from India, um, he, he plays IPL with Pat Cummins. So he comes out for this match. Pat Cummins is a big bean and bowler who bowls pretty quick, mm. bowls very quick. Um, he, he plays cricket with him. He practices with him. He knows he's a great guy. So there's, there's nothing to forget. Exactly right. So if you don't know someone, Mate, the perception you have of them is just a little bit mixed, isn't it? You know their, fa- you know, like if you do know them, you know their family, or you know that you know you've met their kids yeah. before, or something. It's like it's going to be difficult for me to, you know, to really abuse this human being on the cricket field. Well, and to so see that's, that's why I didn't like people. No, nah. yeah. It's easier, it's easier to hate someone if you don't know. I'll shit you. How was um? How were you treated by the English fans in Ashes series when you're away? Because you were oh, obviously good. you were beloved here. I, I just I'm curious to know how they treated you over there. You know they, um, I got a compliment for being fat over there. Obviously, <laughs> they kept throwing food at me when I was on the ground. Oh my god! I really appreciated. I really like pies and big rots and stuff like that. It was fun. Would you eat it? Uh, <laughs> Would you ever I, pick I, it up? I took a bite out of one. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I think to be to be honest, now the. Crowds in England have changed dramatically. In 89, 93, we noticed a change. They're getting a little bit more angry, a little bit more passionate, I suppose. Mm. And ultimately, players get distracted by it. Well, that's in 1989. I got called Sumo. I called him Sumo. Sumo wrestler. I was a good chap. Sumo wrestler. 
guys, you're straight up to them. But what, what, what are you going to do? Uh, if, you, if you take it personally, that distraction from what you're doing, you've got no chance. Obviously, off the back of that Johnny Bairstow incident, um, which was, you know, just eyes up. How eyes funny up was that? From Australia. Oh, mate, it was unbelievable. But <laughs> it's, it was just so good. And, but just to see the reaction of, like, all those pompous members in the, in the Lord's long room, I think we, we've talked to a couple of tr- cricketers and they're like, that's just what they're like. It's just they, they show their true colours. Was that your experience when you were playing? Were they always a little bit like... They'd smile and clap, but they'd be saying other things to you. At the no, same no, time. not really. I reckon they were very much cricket-minded, yep. cricket-orientated, where I'm not so sure now. I think, especially the guys, the members, a lot of them, they prestige, mm. and they don't really understand the game. Where when we walked through that, that long room, you got to go through the members to get there. They were all very polite. If you, if you made a duck, they used to clap a little bit louder. If you made some runs, they give you the fine applause and all that. But I, I think the unspoken word was you don't talk to the players. Mm, okay. You, you can clap them, you can what that. But what happened this year, like everyone spoke the spirit of cricket. Now, Johnny Bairstow, the spirit of cricket, the people that haven't got the laws or the rules of the game on their side throw the spirit of cricket at them. Yes. But if you don't want to get money out of stuff, stay in your course. It's not that hard. Mm. It's very simple. Yeah, it's a very simple. And I learned that down to 12, under 14, so wherever you but Sharky, our coach, thought us that. Be aware of where the ball is. Sharky, was it? Yeah, Martin Sharky. Well, I, don't, I hope Sharky isn't employed by England anytime soon to teach them how to say in their careers. Hopefully he's loyal. Um, but you, during that whole period, you were, you were vocal on Twitter. You were going back. We Look, we were having one-sided arguments with Piers Morgan where we'd just tweet at him and tell him he's an idiot. But were you were sort of were you guys needling each other? Um, no, Pierce Morgan was a pog. Um, <laughs> I, I met him I reckon ten years ago, uh, and you know how first impressions last. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was a pog then. He was really good mates <laughs> with Jane Moore. The morning said, "No, no, he's, he's a good bloke." So I thought, okay, I'll give him a chance. I never really crossed paths again. And then um, when he came out, it just shows how limited. The intelligence is, is if he doesn't think that run out was out. Oh, man, it's, um, it's like it makes sense. That's interesting, too. Sorry to jump in on it, but interesting, too, that he's a passionate English supporter. We didn't hear much from him during the World Cup, did we? No, no, he yeah, didn't. No, so he's a passionate supporter where things are going well. Exactly right. Yeah, uh, it was a fair weather. But then also, like, and even in the World Cup uh, that Australia just won, like, the uh, uh, the former Indian batsman whose name escapes me, he's coming out and going, well, no, nah, India was, was the best side. And he's going like, I don't know what world we're living in here where, like, people are so unaccepting of a result where you're just going like, no, but they were the best team on paper. It's like, but that doesn't mean anything. Well, they, they were in East defence, though. Um, they lost one game to the tournament and Australia lost two games. But the one game they lost was the tournament. That's so, okay. Unlucky. They're not the best. So basically, the best teams, the four best teams qualify, the two best teams win the semi final, and then the best team wins the final. And for them, it's like, well, we're the best team through it. So what do you do? You have a World Cup without semi finals or finals, and just after the poor games, you're a winner. Mm, exactly right. It doesn't make any so sense. Yeah, it's, it's a World Cup. 
yeah, but I, I can't understand. I can't understand either. Are you like? Are you like grateful or um, I guess maybe envious of how? Um, I guess the the level of cr- that cricket has reached now compared to when you were coming through, like. On one hand, their schedule is absolutely absurd and they're playing T20s after a World Cup win. But then there's also so much more, I guess, opportunity and it's super, like, it's incredibly lucrative. Like, do you see it as you would have liked to have played in this time or are you happy where you came through? Uh, very happy where I came through. I, the the time that our, our current players get paid too much is a load of bollocks, to be honest, is that um, we didn't have social media. So we had to deal with maybe four journalists. So 89, 93, I think we had four or five journalists on the and all the players do the journalists. Um, we sit there, have a couple of beers. If there's any issues, all the side and say, mate, what, what's this story about? Mm. Now our players go out in England um, last year and there's seventy odd times over there. They're all looking for the story. And you can tell by reading their cricket column, they're not interested in cricket. So if you're not interested in cricket, don't go. It's been a long time since I've read an article about cricket where you get something other than what's on the scorecard in the article. And I don't want your opinion. I want the facts. Now, you're a sports journalist. Just tell me about the sport. Yeah. I don't care what the players do outside. I don't care if they go and have a couple of kids, as long as they're right the play. And there's something I've always found about cricket journalism, and again, the ones where we're speaking about where when it's done correctly, where like, there's almost no more engrossing a sports article than when someone's like wrapping up a day's play or a test match really well. And they write well. And they write really well. Yeah. And there's a yeah. few that are still around, but like I, I agree with you that there's the majority aren't necessarily out there looking for it. Well, the, the five, I the five that we had, we had Greg Moore, Malcolm Conn, uh, Robert Craddock, um, Patrick Smith. There's another Patrick, I can't remember his last name, which is, which is bad because he wrote my book for me. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were fantastic journalists uh, and they loved the game. They were passionate about it and all they did was write about the game. And now, basically, the journalist's got a free bone to, to write what he likes. Mm. And there's going to be no no feedback on it. When, um, when was the first time you experienced that sort of, like, or have you ever experienced that sort of journalism where like they've come for you in a bit of a weird way? Oh, probably, probably the big one was the old SPG was a pretty flat wicket. Mm. And West Australia made a hit runs, and Victoria made a hit runs. And one of the, one of the journalists wrote up a story about how you can't expect the West Australian bowlers to put well on a particular bat because it didn't suit them. And you think they're fast bowlers. It's okay for them not to take wickets. But I get back to not taking wickets. I used to have a talk with journalists. So, mate, what's going on? You've just got to be fair to the bird. So, mate, I, I find it very, very amusing. Um, normally, and the, they, some of the journalists have an agenda with the players mm. and they target the players. And if you're a 50 50 on, on cricket, you tend to believe what you read in the media. And the media now is very unkind to our players. Our players are. Deserve better than that, and they are better. Than that. So that's is that a sort of a new phenomenon with the the Australian media, New South Wales media is is not great when it comes to sports stars. Has that got worse over time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I think it's almost to me the journalists jealous with the amount of money that the, the players are getting. Okay. Because their wages haven't gone up mm. as, as much. But yeah, well, look, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, um, and when I played 40 years, I was saying, you didn't get paid much. What about the guys that played in the 60s and 70s? And that's that's where with Kerry Parker came in, and basically that was a, a protest about pay. Mm. And that certainly helped current players because I think people now understand their value. You, I was going to yeah. say, you came, you, you played with the late, great Shane Keith Warren. Was, what was it like being around a bona fide superstar of the sport? You could argue we probably haven't had one since in the sport of cricket. Yeah. Like, I used was to ask it... him the same question when he came into the side. Is that, that used to be me. <laughs> <laughs> now, of, of Warren, when he first started, came back from the Cricket Academy in South Australia. Mm. And a few of the senior players watching him at Victoria Nets, league spinner, going to bowl about, going to bowl about, going to bowl about, about now or later, going to bowl about here. He's, he's pretty good. And then when he starts playing, it's okay, but he's not outstanding. And we thought, mate, he's going, to, he's going to play two springer. He's going to be pretty handy. No, I don't think anyone expected him to do what he did and take 700 wickets. But the, the thing about Warney, most cricketers have a purple patch in their career that lasts maybe 12 to 18 months. Yep. Uh, and he had a purple patch that lasted 12 to 18 years. <laughs> but his, his whole career was a purple patch. Yeah. And incredible. the more controversy he is in off the ground, the better he played on the ground. So he was almost fueled by scandals. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely pure scandals. Um, but like I say, the media can make you a break it, uh, and the media was very unkind to him. So what they used to do was wait for him to make a mistake, and it was all over the front page, wasn't it? Mm. But to the media's defence, normally they didn't have to wait too long for him to make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, he a couple of days. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, conscious of time, but, um, and I, I'm, I don't bring this up, uh, on any podcast, Merv, it's only purely because of the role that you played in my life, unknowingly, I'm sure. But my old man is Billy Birmingham, the 12th man. I reckon I've said this to you before, we loved him because... When we started, most of the guys in the commentary box were from Channel 9, um, obviously the World Series days. Yeah. So There's a bit of a conflict. And we were, when we were no good, we were confident. And when Billy came out with that first take, he's taking the piss out of the commentators. We love that. <laughs> but every way, rain delay, seriously, we just had Billy Birmingham on. And just loved it. It's, it's funny to think. I'd never actually even thought about it from that player's perspective of like actually – enjoying the commentators copying some shit as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, But there was, um, <laughs> again, I when I was growing up, I was aware of cricket, but, like, you know, I was still very young, but there was always this poster in Dad's office 
And it was like, it was of you either cuddling him from behind with your tongue out or vice versa. (laughs) (laughs) So bizarre. But like, that was my first, (laughs) I guess my first, uh, you know, example of Merv. And I was always like, what's, what the fuck is going on here? (laughs) Did he he come and meet you in a, in a hotel to record some part of an album or something? Yeah. So we were in a room and the acoustics weren't great. So he's got sort of tables and chairs around, put a blanket over the stuff. So we had this sort of homemade studio. And I'm just thinking, this, this is a bit weird, but it seemed to work. Um, but but of, of Billy, I loved him when I played. And then you lose track of it a little bit. Now, my oldest son is 26. Ten years ago, he's playing under 16 cricket down the coast of Victoria. Thing happened back just after Christmas into January. And he got the best of Billy in Birmingham. My oh, dad can play this. I was just saying, oh, you just forget how good it was. He continues the whole time just thinking, hey, this just gets better. It's never, never out back. Oh, I'm glad he'll, uh, he'll, he'll be happy exactly. to hear that. Yeah, yeah. It's good um, stuff. I'd like to say he's a good friend of the team. Um, and every time he was around, we sort of included him. But also, I remember one day where we had a signing session and he came in to catch up. And I myself was just so interested in getting getting everything signed that you sort of may have brushed him a bit. Just I look back at that. That's that's one of my great, greatest regrets. Great, great. Well, listen, did, I'll, I'll let him know. What he did for morale in the side was fantastic. Oh, that's cool. I'll let him know that you are you, you know you're losing sleep over the time you brushed him. <laughs> well, and the other thing too, Christmas is coming up. Give him a big kiss and tell him to release another album. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, right. We've had the best of Billy Birmingham. We need the very best of Billy Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's The it. very, very, the very, very best. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Merv, mate, thank you very much for your time. Really, it's been it's been great to chat. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll bump into you at some point over the summer. But if not, enjoy the cricket. Thanks. Well, man. hopefully. Um, we'll be up at the Sydney Chess Play if you're around. We'll be good to catch up. We'll be there at Sydney Yeah, we'll be there. Sure. Don't worry about that. Absolutely. 100%. All, 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 all I'll do is I'll find Pat Cummins and Pat will. Yes. That's yeah, it. Yeah, we'll be with his old man. We'll be hanging sure. around there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> good on you, Merv. Thanks, Cheers, mate. Merv. Have a good one, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good on you. Thanks, mate. Mike. Could you two just not talk anymore? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.